Voice of Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Interesting subject. We've never covered it. It's speech pathology and vocal coaching. Okay, it's combined. We have one of the experts in the field. Top one, Dara Allen joins us. She offers her services related to the management of voice, speech, and upper airway disorders for adults and children. However, she's also a vocal coach to broadcasters all over the, the nation, and she's offering coaching for listening skills, presentation skills, interview preparation, and voice improvement. I bet there's so much you're going to learn about a speech pathologist and vocal coach more than you thought, so stick with us. Welcome to the program, Dara. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.com. BearDynamic.com and by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Orlex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Orlex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Orlex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. We're happy to have you because it is an interesting subject. Usually, you know, the kids are sent to that special class or, you know, they go to the speech pathologist and you think of it that way, but there's so much more. Uh, do you find that sometimes there's stereotypes about what speech pathology is all about? Absolutely. I mean, most people think that a speech pathologist is just in the schools and just works with children with language and articulation disorders. So um, they're often surprised that there is someone out there who does what I do, which is mostly, I mostly just do voice work. I see patients who are medically referred for voice problems and um, upper airway problems. Um, but I also do voice coaching for broadcasters, like you said, and I see a lot of singers. I rehabilitate singers. So people are surprised that um, someone does what I do. And you know, there's who is that actress, Sophia Vega? Is it Verga? I, I wanted to look it up before I brought it up, but uh, uh, Modern Family. Yes. You know, and so uh, what's her last name? I don't know. I don't crazy. know. I'd have to Google it. I think. Kind of like the, the modern day Charo. Um, right. You know? But the, there was a funny episode. I saw this just before, you know, I, was gonna, I knew I was going to have you on where she, she wanted to go to a speech pathologist. 
because she had a very thick Latino accent. So she wanted to talk more Americano. And it was the funniest thing, actually, Uh learning how to. So she was going around the house over enunciating. Uh, I would love to get the clip and play that. uh, I know. I need to watch it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And so, um, but you work with people and the whole idea is, is it, it's not to sound perfect, though. I mean, how do you match, vo- you know, the vocal inflection or how do you how do you find the right fit? Because there are a lot of different personalities out there and you can't get them to sound the same. Right. Well, it, you, it really comes down to um, freeing up a person's natural voice. A lot of times the people that come in to see me, whether it's medical for medical reasons or people who are just wanting to improve their voice, um, they have a lot of tension, a lot of tension in the body, which will affect the, the way the voice sounds. And so it really is about finding their voice, finding um, their best voice. And hmm. you do that by um, freeing up tension, being able to, first of all, notice that it's there and figure out how to let it go. But also there is some learning um, of how to make the sound and where to feel the sound and what to listen for. But um, I mean, I really try to meet people where they are and just help them to find their best voice. That makes sense. I like that. And by the way, the actress's name is Sophia Vergara. I knew you were close. Yeah, I thought I was around the ballpark. You know, you know yeah, what I mean. But yeah. I just want to get it right. But uh-huh. um, so, um, so that's interesting because let's just look at, uh, let's start first with vocal coaching and the voiceovers and that, that whole thing first, okay? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who want to sound like the commercials on television. I tell my wife, you know, we, I think everyone sounds so kind of hushy when they're, they're kind of like talking almost like this. And, uh, yeah. and that's just how... And that is the voice people want today on many commercials that you're hearing. But do you find that vocal and voiceover people try to sound too much like what they're hearing rather than, as you're saying, find their voice? Well, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. There's a certain style that is prevalent right now. And it's kind of that very soft, very soft voice with a little bit of what's called vocal fry, that uh, Hmm. sound, a little bit of that. Yes, yes. It's very in, um, you hear it somewhere and and in commercials on TV, but I, I don't really coach people to do that, but the people that I'm seeing, you know, most of them, um, are within, they are news broadcasters a lot of the time. Um, and then, so I'm, I'm helping them find a stronger voice. Yes. Voice. Uh, I see a lot of girls who are told that they're too high pitched. Mm-hmm. Sound nasal and men too. Um, and so I help them with that. I help them to maybe find a healthier, lower pitch. Some sometimes people don't have any vocal variety and they sound monotone. Yes, uh, that's a good point. You have interesting services, and before we get into that, well, I'll mention some of them. I want to find out how you got involved all together as a speech pathologist and kind of like your genesis of this, but voice disorder therapy, voice and speech improvement enhancement. Now, help me with this other one. Buteco? Is that how you say it? Buteco breathing. Buteco mm-hmm. breathing. We want to find out what that is. Upper airway disorders. And then transgender voice improvement enhancement. And that's something different. I never, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to get into that, too. And, um, and of course, the, uh, the broadcast uh, voice coaching. So, from what I know about you, you were into the theater and singing. And, uh, you know, you... You were kind of headed in that direction with the with the arts, but what turned things around for you? And and uh, 
you know, I know that you have a passion for voice and always had a fascination with it. How'd that happen? Um, well, since I was, uh, I guess in junior high school, I've always, I always wanted to sing. I always was fascinated with the voice and, um, that's what I did all through junior high, middle school, high school. And then I majored in voice in college and, and I performed a lot after I graduated from college. I did a lot of performing, mostly in musical theater, um, but I was classically trained. And then um, I did some concerts and symphony work. And um, so I did that for many years, for many years. And I taught singing for many years. And I took voice lessons myself. Really? I, for years, for years and years and years and years, one time a week. I spent so much money on learning about the voice. You have no wow. idea. Um, but I, I've always been obsessed with it. And then, um, you know, I was always cast as the young ingenue. And there comes a time in every young ingenue's life that they realize they're not always going to be the young ingenue. And that I wanted, I needed to be able to support myself better because, you know, I did not want to always be a starving artist. Right. And I, I thought about um, going back to school so I could teach singing or voice in, at the collegiate level. But um, something, uh, something else told me to go a different way. I had a, a voice teacher, his name's Stephen Austin, and he's at the University of North Texas. He's an excellent, excellent voice teacher. And he has his PhD in speech pathology. So we started talking and um, he really inspired me to do it because I really wanted to learn more about the mechanism and how it worked. There was um, a lady who ended up being my mentor who was a voice therapist in Dallas. Her name's Susan Schulman. And um, I went to one of her workshops about the speaking voice because as a singer, I was never taught how to use my speaking voice. I was just taught how to use my singing voice. And I was really fascinated by what she did and how it would affect my singing. And um, so it started way back, you know, in my 20s. And then when I decided I didn't want to be a starving artist, I decided to go back to school to study communication disorders. And um, that's what I did with the intention to always just do voice work. That's just what I've always wanted to hmm. do. Interesting. I know there's no doubt people are listening that uh, would take an interest in this. And you never know where it happens. All of a sudden you say, well, I uh, heard that interview with Dara Allen and uh, got me thinking, I'm going to be a speech pathologist and vocal coach. And you just never know, you know, and then the interview may, um, may uh, influence someone. And so uh, as far as what is, what are some of the things that you'll do? I mean, in a nutshell, it's kind of hard to do that. And just a, a brief question in working with people about speech pathology. So can you name different instances and someone comes in for X, Y, Z and you help them with this and take us through the, uh, you know, the, the brief 50,000 foot tour. <laughs> well, um, I'll give you some examples. Yeah. Yesterday I saw, um, well, I, I won't talk about the broadcast people because I saw a lot of broadcast people this week too, but I'll talk about people who come in my door for speech pathology services, um, which usually they're medically referred. So yesterday I saw a lady who's been teaching fifth grade for 20 years and she can barely talk right now. Her voice is, is pretty much shot. So we are having to work on her breathing 
We're having to work on her vocal hygiene, which is how she takes care of her vocal cords. Uh, and then we're having to, we're going to have to, um, I told her yesterday, tear down the house because her, her foundation is very um, weak. So we're having to tear down our house and build a better foundation and teach her how to use her voice better and more effectively so she doesn't lose it. And um, so she can actually, you know, continue to be an effective teacher. Today, I saw someone who came in with chronic cough. She's been coughing for 20 years. Wow. And it got worse this February after she had pneumonia. So she's been coughing, 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 coughing. And um, her voice is very hoarse. So I'm, again, I just saw her for the first time today. But what we're going to have to do is work on how she's breathing. Because the way you breathe, um, you breathe in through your vocal cords. So the way you breathe affects your voice. Um, but you also cough with your vocal cords. So we have to work on her breathing. We have to work on vocal hygiene, how she's taking care of her voice. And we have to work on how she is speaking, how she's using her voice in order to heal the chronic cough and in order to heal... Um, what's called dysphonia, which is a generic term for something sounds, something's wrong with the way your voice sounds or something's wrong with your voice. Hmm. Uh, but she's very hoarse. So um, both of those instances, um, it's not, the healing doesn't happen overnight. It, it's usually uh, over a matter of, I mean, everybody's different, but it can take anywhere from six to 12 weeks, maybe a little bit more. Teachers often take <laughs> it's often a longer process for teachers because, you know, they're having to keep talking and teaching when they're in therapy. So it's very difficult for teachers and coaches, but they can they make never get a break. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they didn't never. Mm -mm. Um, so that's some of what I've seen in the past two days. And yesterday I saw a guy who came to see me for broadcast coaching. I actually saw him over, over Skype and, um, you know, his voice is too high and he's been told he's nasal. And so we are going to, again, work on how he breathes, breathing really the way you breathe sets up the foundation, um, for, for your voice, the way you breathe in and then the way you utilize the air, um, if it has a massive effect on the voice because air to the voice is like gases to the car. So we have to work on how he's breathing. Hmm. And then we have to work on his technique um, of how he's using his voice. And that gets a little bit more complicated. It's, I could go on and on and on. Well, and no, I'm, I'm, I, would, I wish you would. I definitely, because, you know, I, I think we kind of, um, we think we got this, the simplicity. All you have to do is talk or maybe talk into a microphone or talk into the camera. But who would have ever thought that it begins with breathing or it begins with the way that uh, I saw you on YouTube where you, you demonstrate with a straw about uh, some of the techniques you have for breathing properly. I have so many people laugh at me when I tell them to do a lip trill, which is or when I give them the straw exercises, half the time, you know, I'm sitting in my chair and I'm so used to all this crazy stuff. And, um, you know, I have to wait till they're done laughing because they, I mean, it's so weird for them. But I had a lady last week who was just in pretty much in tears because she felt like she had ulcers down on her throat. They were hurting Ooh. so bad. 
bad and she couldn't get past the pain. And I did not know what to do with her. Um, cause I've been seeing her for a long time and I thought, Oh my goodness. Um, what are we going to do? So I had her do the lip trills. She said, I'd never taught her the lip trills before. And I thought, how could that be? I always teach lip trills, but maybe I didn't. So I taught her the lip trills and she just started bawling because that alone took care of the problem that she was experiencing that day. It was really, it was a surprise to me because I thought it was going to be more complicated for her, but I think it just freed her up and it, it helped relax some of the muscles in the throat. Um, so yes, people are surprised. They laugh and they think it's weird, but it does produce results. Yeah. I saw Celine Dion do that as far as that, uh, um, <laughs> that elliptrol is is that it's called elliptrol? Uh huh. Some people call them raspberries. Lip raspberries and one of my teachers called it, called it a bubble. Uh huh. Because so little babies do it when they're when they're um, developing their language and they're developing um, that awareness of their mouth. They just they do raspberries all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> With food coming out. Right. Right. But I've I've heard you say that. The vocal, the folds of the uh, voice are, they can sit on the diameter of a dime. Is that correct? Yes, they're very small. They're very small. Um, it's surprising how small they are and then the massive jobs that they do. It's pretty amazing. I think what's interesting is that everyone has a different sounding voice. I mean, some voices sound a little bit alike, but... Uh, is it like faces where every face is just a little bit different? Yes, some people look like other people, but uh, for the most part, you know, God made everyone different, right? <laughs> everyone has a different face and everyone has a different voice. And is, does that still make you, you know, excited and, and interested? I mean, the, just the fact that uh, no two voices are exactly the same. Well, I do love that. And it's interesting that you talked about the face because, um, you know, we have our vocal cords and they're right behind um, the thyroid cartilage. And men, we sometimes refer to it as their Adam's apple, but your vocal cords are attached to your thyroid. And um, the sound waves are made there, but they need, they're carried up and they need to bounce off of hearts, the hard surface in your face. And so the bony structure of your face and the way your face is built and the size of your sinus cavity, the size of your oral cavity actually affects the sound. And so um, just as you, each face is unique, um, each voice is unique and it is, it is, um, partly due to the fact that everybody's face is different and everybody's yes. bone structure is different. That is so interesting to me. I'm, I'm into that, you know, I mean, seriously, because um, there's a different architecture going on with the nose and the eyes. And so yeah. have, you ever, have you ever, I mean, this is a weird question. Okay. Could you ever turn the television off not off, but the, uh, the mute button on. Okay. Look at someone just by their face. Right. And, mm -hmm get an idea of exactly how their voice sounds and then turn on from the, you know, the, the, uh, the mute and listen to the audio and say, I knew it. You know, I've never done that, but I might have to try it. I think you should. I, I mean, know. to me, I, th I bet you could do it. I want right. to give uh, props, if you will, or a shout out to uh, Dr. Utterback. 
Okay, Dr. Yeah. Ann Utterback, because I found out about you because there was a, a book very helpful called Broadcast Voice Handbook, and she recommended you. Of course, she's the author of that book, but uh, Broadcast Voice Handbook, and she said, um, you know, something you need to have Dara on the program. She'd be an interesting guest, I agree, for sure. And uh, so anyhow, uh, how are you affiliated with, uh, how do you know, is she a mentor of yours? She is a mentor, and... Um a colleague, but I am, I'll tell you, I, whenever I started doing broadcast work, I um, found out about Ann Utterback and I emailed her and I said, I want to work with you. And she wrote me back. She said, I'm retiring. I'm not really working with anybody now. And, and then I kept bugging her. And, <laughs> um, I just wanted to, to um, have her mentor me. And she ended up mentoring me and she has just been the bit one of the biggest blessings wow. um to me um she she's just been wonderful she's taught me a lot she's guided me she's answered questions she has sent me clients i will always be grateful to her and she she's just a wonderful person and she's a great coach and she has a great reputation yeah, um, in, in that book, you know, I know that a lot of people recommended that for people who, well, like myself, who take a, an interest in, in voiceovers, but she said the same to me. I'm retired and uh, sorry. I know, I know. Well, I, like, I just kept bugging her, but that was many years ago. Well, she was uh, kind enough to recommend the book. She sent the book, and of course, it's, a, it's an excellent book. It's a huge book. I think it's like 400 pages or something like that. Right. And I, um, if, if I have a client who purchases a coaching package with me, I all, well, I always recommend her book and half of the time the broadcast clients who come to me already have it, but if they don't, then I send them a copy of it. So, um, she's very well known and very well respected. So when it comes to speech pathology and, um, and, and vocal coaching as well, what are some of the misconceptions about what you do? Hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, what I would think they say, well, I don't need to speak. I don't, I don't need to see a vocal coach or I don't need to see a, a speech pathologist. And how could you talk well, to those people now and say, Oh yeah. I think people are surprised that again, that someone out there is doing what I do and that you can actually change the way someone sounds um, because they think, well, this is the voice I'm born with this. What can I do? You know, mm -hmm. I, um, I think there's that. And I also think, you know, people who are sent to me with problems of their vocal fold, they just have no idea what to expect. And, you know, they're like, what is this? What are you going to teach me? I'm not a singer. I don't want to learn how to sing because they read my bio and they think that's all I do. Um, but I tell them that voice therapy is like physical therapy for your vocal cords. And people seem to resonate with that. That seems to be it helps them understand how it works. Our listeners can go to austinvoiceinstitute.com. That's austinvoiceinstitute.com to uh, get in touch with uh, Dara Allen. And um, and so now, you know, I don't want to get into this uh, big time, but uh, if you don't mind, <laughs> because it's on your website, I just, I just uh, briefly, I'm interested. It says transgender video improvement enhancement. What, what is that? Transgender voice therapy? <clears throat> yes. Um, so that is for for people who are um, transitioning either from male to female or female to male. And like um, most of the people that I get or that I've seen so far 
are men who are um, transitioning to female and they want to feminize their voice. And so I help, I help them do that. And that's actually considered a medical condition. Um, insurance often will pay for it. Not all the time, but often will pay for it. And um, so I help them find a voice that they can use um, every day that is comfortable for them. And that helps them um, present themselves as who they are. Interesting. I mean, you know, it's just, it's one of those kind of like new sections, if you will, where you hear about today and uh, people just getting used to it. You know what I mean? It's a, and trying to, trying to, you know, you have to be sensitive, even if you're not comfortable with it necessarily, but you have to, you know, I'm talking about our audience perhaps, but it's, it's, um, it's out there. Um, I want to ask you as far as the individual and group sessions that you provide uh, for vocal coaching, you talk about on your website, pitch, breathing and airflow, vocal quality, volume, projection, articulation, sounding conversational, which is big today because people don't want announcers. Right. So I'm finding out. Uh, care of the professional voice, a storytelling and delivery. Can we, can we start with storytelling and delivery? Sure. Sure. What, what do you want to know? Well, <laughs> so, I mean, how do, you, how do you use, I guess, the different intonation and inflection? And what are people looking? You seem to know what people are looking for when it comes to that. So, you know, people tell stories. Everyone thinks they tell a good story. You know, you know not everybody does. So right. how do you tell a good story? What's in, in your delivery? Most of the time, I deal with storytelling uh, with broadcasters, but it can be people who are non-broadcasters. But an, an example is of a broadcaster who's telling a story or reading from a teleprompter or reading a script. And that's just what a lot of times what they do is just read it. And what we're trying to do is get them to really connect to what they're saying and have uh, an opinion about it. Hmm. Uh, and... Um, Yes, have an opinion, be able to express some emotion about the story, what they are feeling about the story. So they actually, um, when they do that, the story is actually communicated better than it would be if they were just reading it or reading it monotone. That's what I do. (laughs) I I I didn't know. She says, you are so boring. It's not even funny. Can you please read with some emotion or, or, or change it up? But th- th- that's for me, you know, learning how to do that, to have an opinion about um, what you're actually reading. Right. It's, it's connecting to the text and it is um, getting away. It's getting away from just the words. So uh, one, one exercise that I use with people is, okay, read this story as if you were talking to your mom or dad or okay tell this story well i i first have them i say tell me why are you telling this story why is this story important okay and who are you talking to and why are you talking to them why are you telling this story um and you can do that with different scenarios but another question i ask is um or i tell them i want you to picture the people you are talking to right now what do they look like? What are they doing? And then tell them, talk to them, tell them the story. And that makes a huge difference in the way they sound. I believe um, it. yes. Yeah. So if you can actually do that, then it, it takes you out of 
you know, the robotic, monotone, boring, because who wants to listen to that? We can all go read the news online. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we listen to people um, because of the way that they tell the stories, the way that their voice sounds, their emotion, the way they're expressing it, um, because it does something for us. You know, and I'm trying to do that as far as, I mean, can you be, you know how singers are like tone deaf? Or, you know, they have a pitchy type of thing. They don't really, you know, I'll listen to myself as a newbie doing voiceovers, okay? And so something new that I'm doing, I'm listening back, okay, to what I, what I did and going word for word and trying to see that the inflection should have been down instead of up or up instead of down. And so it's so odd to me that you're not, like, I'm not hearing it through my, I guess through my brain, but through your ears. Um, and it's funny, isn't it? How sometimes we go up and it sounds like we're putting things in a question when we, we don't intend to put things in a question or we sound unsure because our pitch goes up. And so and the, the people who get this, I guess, it's just like a singer. They, they're on perfect pitch where they, they speak in a way that it's not, it's, it sounds the way it should sound, you know? And so, um, why, why do you think we are almost like tone deaf that way where we we have to correct like, why would we decide to go up when we should be going down? Or why do, why do we do that? Well, if someone's reading voiceover or doing something like that, um, like a voiceover or a script, usually we get in our heads and we, we're, we're approaching the text from a different place. We're approaching it like more, um, in a way, technical instead of thinking that you're really talking to somebody or having mm -hmm. a conversation or asking the questions, why, why am I, why am I saying this? Why is it important? What are my objectives? What are my goals for saying this? What do I want the people who are listening to me to do? Um, so, I mean, you could go through a script if you had a voiceover script and say, okay, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to go down here and I'm going to take a breath here. And that's fine. But when it comes down to it, you don't want it to be so technical that it doesn't sound real. Um, so I think it's good to practice like that, but I also think you got to get away from it and approach it just as if you are really talking to someone. And a good exercise to do is say, okay, move away from the script. Now tell me the story in your own words. That's and good. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good exercise. Because it helps people become, free themselves up so they're communicating as themselves. And then that's what people relate to. You know, they relate to people, to real people yes. and real feelings and real emotions. Um, so I guess to go back to your question, I think we just get too much in our head. And meaning we may worry about what we sound like or we're worrying about the microphone or we're wanting to get it right and so bad that we kind of lock ourselves up. Hmm. I could talk to you all. I love this. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of people don't really understand why they do what they do. Certainly not understanding why either they're not getting the work, which is uh, why people come to you uh, for vocal coaching to make sure that uh, they have, have the best chance, the best opportunity to uh, succeed and so forth. So are there any elements also of uh, just a speech pathology or uh, certainly there are a lot more here in the vocal coaching that um, I haven't touched on any with you would like to? Um, well, I, I do see a lot of people who are medically referred. And so I don't think we've talked about that too much, but 
just some examples of what a, a medical speech pathologist who does voice work, patients that they would see would be people who might have vocal nodules, um, which are calluses that are on the vocal cords, and those form most of the time because of the way someone talks or is using their voice. I see people who have polyps, and a vocal fold polyp is usually, it usually happens from a single event. Maybe someone's yell too loud or they cough too hard. So they get this little, it's kind of like a, it's not a blister, but it's a polyp, but kind of like a blister on the vocal cords. Um, and then I see people who have vocal cord paralysis. So oftentimes people who have had thyroid surgeries um, or open heart surgery, I don't want to say often, but it, it, it does happen more than we want it to, that there is a nerve that is damaged. And so one side of the vocal cords don't work. And so there's a paralysis. So they have to learn how to use their voice with only one side of the vocal cord working. Yes. And sometimes the vocal, the nerve re-innervates, but not always. Sometimes those patients have to have um, injections to plump up the cord or they get um, implants. And then I, um, so there's all kinds of what's called organic voice disorders, things that happen to the vocal cords that people need to see a speech pathologist for to do voice therapy. There are also functional voice disorders, meaning they're having this voice disorder because of the way they are habitually using their voice. Um, and that, that can be like a teacher she, um, the one that I saw, she has nodules. Well, that's, that's a medical thing. That's an organic problem. But it also really stems from a fun functional problem, the way that she's using her voice. So um, speech pathologists... Called who, yelling. Yelling at the kids. Yelling at the kids. <laughs> yes. Um, and stress. And, and not, yeah, stress and not using the right resonance. Um, so speech pathologists also see people who have, um, like I have talked about earlier, chronic cough or breathing problems. Um, one in particular is called vocal cord dysfunction or vocal fold dysfunction that for a really long time was usually diagnosed as asthma. Sometimes vocal cord dysfunction can coexist with asthma, but we breathe through our vocal cords. And so in vocal cord dysfunction, the vocal cords do not open up all the way. And so people can't get in a really good breath. And so, I mean, it's very terrifying for people. So I work with that a lot. And usually that is um, fixed by changing how someone is breathing and how vocal hygiene and how they're speaking. Interesting. So their voice. So uh -huh. if there are people out there that want to change their life and become a speech pathologist and a vocal coach, how can they do that? Well, they have to go to college and, and get an undergraduate, and then they have to get a master's in communication disorders. Voice coaching, um, I, I think voice coaches and people- Need a good business card. <laughs> A good business card. I think voice coaches um, within the field of speech pathology are special. I do, I do not think just any speech pathologist can do voice therapy. I think that they can maybe learn to, but working with a voice is very subtle. And there are so many dynamics that are involved. So there really many. are. I feel like we just touched the surface. It's an interesting subject. It really is. Um, all I do is voice work. 
I could not do what other speech pathologists do. I don't do language. I do some. You don't work with lisps or anything. I do sometimes, but it's not my favorite thing to do. Okay, I don't blame. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't do swallowing. Although a lot of voice therapists do swallowing, um, but I, I'll, I'm telling you this because I feel like you know I am really specialized in voice, and it's really all I know how to do. Um, and but there are a lot of speech pathologists who do a lot of things, and I don't do those things. Um, but working on the voice, I think, takes years and years and years and years of understanding your own voice and developing your ear and your awareness of very subtle things that the other person is doing, what your patient or client is doing. And um, it can be very emotional because emotions are uh, tied into the voice. There's a vocal image that we all have, and you have to learn to deal with that, too. Um, so there's a lot that goes into voice work. So if someone wants to do it, they need to start taking singing lessons, taking voice lessons themselves, so they develop an understanding of it. I see. So you can't just, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of times people just in theory, and but you're saying, you know, you have to be that, you have to do it too. You know, it's, I, it's I think it helps. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some voice therapists out there who may not have ever sung and they just have a gift, but they, I, I guarantee you that they've spent a lot of years working with mentors who are training them and saying, listen for this, listen for this, watch for this. Because when it comes down to it, you're having to help people fix something that they can't see. Um, they can't see their vocal cords. Physical therapists, you know, they tell you you need to work on your knees or your legs. You can see those, and you can see are they are they moving in the right way. But when you work with a voice, people have to pay attention to what they're feeling in their body. Hmm. They have to listen and pay attention to what it what what does this sound like? What does it feel like? Dara Allen has been our special guest. She's one of the most uh, regarded or well known. Uh, I could say that right. Speech pathologists and vocal coaches, and uh, it says in your website, vocal health is not only essential to the artist, but it is also a basic component of well being. And so you can go to austinvoiceinstitute.com and find out more. And also, we want to give props to Dr. Ann Utterback and her book broadcast voice handbook. Can we give out your phone number or would you prefer just the web address? Sure. My phone number is my business number. And um, are you ready? Yeah. It's 512-466-5013. All right. 512-466-5013. Vocal coach and licensed speech language pathologist in Austin, Texas. Dara Allen has been our special guest. We enjoyed it and there's so much more to learn, but when you get that book, we're going to have you back on. But uh, I suggest if people are interested in this field and certainly with all the needs that, uh, that you uh, cater to, that they call you and get in touch with you. We appreciate you being on the program. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. 
And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.